Welcome to the Wrestling Headlines WWE Raw Review. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and we are here live on YouTube and later available in podcast form. Links to the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net for all your latest wrestling headlines news <laughs> and the main event. Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre was the main event building towards WrestleMania Backlash, which is... I'm not going to lie, I wasn't into this feud going into this show really. I thought last week they turned onto like a a much better path and this week they continued down that better path. So we've had three weeks of me going, and then the final two, actually this is a bit better. So my overall feelings are blah. I get to put it better. Like yeah, it's not been a feud that has been massively grabbing my attention. But these final two weeks are a lot of a better course than they were on to begin with. But Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre was a main event that was never in a million years going to have a clean finish. Like, even, like if even one at all. Uh, Braun Strowman's friendly visit, just a matter of time away. Just a matter of, mm, just a matter of time away. Down smoothly. <laughs> Our WrestleMania big boys got a tad of time to showcase their big boy fight once more, charging at and launching each other with power. Uh, but eventually, the bearded, bold beast barreled on down. A hot fire back and forth final stretch may have reached its conclusion with a McIntyre Claymore, but we'll never know thanks to the big brawny Strowman. Like teasing. The lad accepting MVP's proposal from earlier in the show before power slamming the champion on down. Also, uh, Drew McIntyre as well, just to send the statement. Uh, the tone set for Sunday to be every man for himself. A- another tone with Braun's line, I'm going to bust your boy right now. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, Braun. <laughs> this show was already homoerotic with the Angel Garza, Drew Gulak, which I'll get to later. <laughs> but you're going to do what? I'm sorry. Uh, no worries, what he meant was he's just going to slam Bobby through the barricade. Uh, closing the show with a shouty scream into McIntyre's face that there is no alliance with no one for Braun because he's a monster. Rawr. And um, yeah, that was just me doing a quick rundown because like, as a go-home angle for a feud I've kind of been cold on, yeah, it was one of the better weeks. Uh, I said last week that it, well, it felt like they were drop, them dropping the Retribution side story bollocks <laughs> was a turn in the right direction. Uh, this week, built down that same road, like much better stuff. Uh, and what was quite honestly a much better episode of Monday Night Raw. And that is my takeaway. But of course, talking about uh, the main event, talking about who is going to win at WrestleMania Backlash... Will it be Bobby Lee Lashers? Yes. Will it be Big Brawny Strowman? He's there for the pin. And will it be Drew McIntyre? He's going to be the hero in vain. And yeah, I don't know, because they also brought back Jinder earlier in the show, and Drew McIntyre's expressed he would quite like to work as Jinder. He doesn't need to be in the title picture, which kind of hints at me, oh, they do they stretch out Bobby Lashley versus Braun Strowman a bit? But if Bobby Lashley pins Braun Strowman, then it just dawns on me, 
pins and losses don't really matter in WWE, that's fine. <laughs> they just keep doing that. Um, yeah, I don't know. My assumption was Braun Strowman was there to take the pin so that he can then continue Bobby Lashley versus uh, Drew McIntyre for a little bit longer. But if if it's Drew McIntyre taking the so if it's a, it doesn't really matter who's taking Braun taking the pin, <laughs> but it just dawned on me. Oh wait, but what if they continue Strowman Lashley instead of McIntyre uh, Lashley, and you do Mac, you go into McIntyre Jinder or Mac, something else? Uh, I mean, to be fair, Jinder's only just come back. Would be a bit much to immediately put in with Drew McIntyre. Maybe just a, a few weeks of build, like just do it a little bit rather than establishing acts. Because also, this was build on Monday Night Raw as like Jinder's second match. And I was like, oh, wait, what? Because <laughs> they introduced him on Raw with his new team, with his new friends, with uh, the big things. And yeah, then there's like, oh, they face on main event. Right? <laughs> That's weird. Assuming I watch main event? Of course I don't. <laughs> I barely get through all. Uh, yeah. But the main event, like, in terms of like who is going to win, am I the only one who, from like minute one, even before Strowman was added, it screamed Bobby Lashley? And because when it was rebooked at WrestleMania Backlash, I was like, oh, this is interesting. We get to do McIntyre Lashley again. That's cool. As soon as Strowman was added, it's like, Right, he's so neither Lashley nor McIntyre want need to get take the pin. So when he's added to that match, and then they book Lashley McIntyre for Raw, <laughs> it was like, well, one Strowman was added to Backlash, so neither so that neither Lashley nor McIntyre would have to take the pin at Backlash. What makes you think <laughs> there's going to be any conclusion to this Raw match? <laughs> like in a million years, of course there wasn't. He's just waiting for Strowman to come on down. That we got to see like the the really great big boy main event fight like out of like, since WrestleMania, my main takeaway has been that the main events have at least been really fun to watch, like consistently since WrestleMania. Like even though the shows have been a bit naff, they've at, at least the main event match has been solid and enjoyable. Even if like the road to it was extremely bumpy and a little bit shit, <laughs> at least get yeah, actually when we actually got there, uh, the main events have been entertaining and decent enough. And that trend continued here. Uh, big boy main event, Lashley McIntyre, great together, proved it in TNA, get to prove it at WrestleMania. And now once again here, the main event of Raw. But of course, going in, you know there's going to be no conclusion because that's why Strowman was added <laughs> to Backlash, so that he can take the pin. Um, yeah, so per personally, from the minute one this match became a triple threat, my prediction has been Bobby Lashley putting the hurt lock on Braun Strowman, which was set up last week when he couldn't do it. And that's a, so it'll be an achievement to do it. That's my prediction. It wasn't setting up, he can't do it, he needs to find another way. Which, to be fair, that would also that would be nice for them to kind of go through that, kind of to just build up Bobby Lashley as a champion to show he's got other ways of winning as well. Uh, maybe he hits the Dominator, it's a power slam, maybe he steals the pin after a claymore or something. There's something the way it isn't him just choking the guy out with Hurt Lock. Because you follow through with him not being able to lock in the move last week. You follow that through. Uh, yeah, but Braun Strowman's kind of like, I've been enjoying him in this triple threat scenario. It's like the Retribution stuff screamed side story nonsense and them leaving has been the best thing <laughs> to this feud. Even though this main event, again, when I said it doesn't going in, I wasn't that excited for it. These two are great together. It's been that it's, it's been that thing where John Wells and Damien Priest are amazing together. It doesn't mean they should be facing each other every week. <laughs> like, well, 
uh, yeah, it's yeah a really strong main event. With both guys are amazing. It's you know just a bit of a shame that the backlash match is just a bit. Da, da, da. That said, backlash is both Raw and SmackDown. So the pay per view itself, nah. And it's been a trend in WWE where even though TV may suck sometimes, the pay per views themselves knock it out of the park. And I don't see this being any different. Don't see this being any different. Just gotta wait it till Sunday. Now, SmackDown's great. Like that's just the one thing I want to take note. Yes, I only review Raw and NXT, obviously, but in terms of main roster stuff, I only review Raw out of Raw and SmackDown. That's only an availability thing. <laughs> that isn't a maybe. It's um, like I've just I'm just a resident for pain. <laughs> just. Oh, just a sucker for it or something. There must be a reason I keep doing. I do this every week. <laughs> There's a reason I agreed to do this. Oh, why? Why? But yet this. Um, but yeah, but the raw side. Even though you see me covering raw, I'm moaning a lot. It's not a WWE whole thing. Like I love NXT. I'm really enjoying SmackDown. Raw is the anomaly. Like New Japan is my number one. I'm really enjoying New Japan, kind of, they're my blind, my blind follow, in a way. Um, to me, they can do no, obviously they do do wrong, but I still enjoy them regardless. But to then just say, yeah, yeah, I'm also really enjoying Dynamite, NXT, SmackDown, it's just Monday Night Raw. <laughs> that is the only one. Uh, so, yeah, so it's not a, this isn't a uh, somebody taking down WWE. No, I'm just taking down Raw, because <laughs> Raw is bad. <laughs> SmackDown's great. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yes, this ma main event was solid, and it added to it. But when I say solid, you're still just waiting for Strowman to run on down. And then of course he does, and then he busts your boy right now. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> then he just uh, takes the lad down. Yeah, he actually said that. <laughs> it was a very homoerotic roar. <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, but yeah, but yes. So again, quite honestly though. This was a much better episode of Monday Night Raw, where, just like, because yeah, this was the best Raw since WrestleMania for me. Like, not one segment felt like it was wasting my time, because I thought last week felt like an improvement, but there was that women's tag. There was segments where I was watching the show going, yes, you're featuring you guys, that's great, but are you going to feature them like next week or whatever, because it feels like it's written with no kind of look to the future, really, and it screams it. And they feel like you're having your time waiting because suddenly they've got to fill time. If you feel it sometimes watching it, but this week no, like every segment had like direction and built to something. It was like watching a SmackDown. Like I may not be behind every single segment, but at least they had purpose and direction and reasoning for being on the show. Yes, that means quite a few things have been dropped. There was no Viking Raiders squash match. There's no Retribution in two weeks now. But for me, they're positives because they, if you don't have a direction for them, you don't feature them. Like, when you've got something for them, bring them on. And yes, that means talent is going to be left off, but it also means your show is better. <laughs> That's like the other week where they had Nia Jackson and Shining Baser. This might have even been last week. It was like a two, three minute match of nothing. Just It felt like it was a reason to have them on the show, but they had nothing for them. Just play like a hype promo package. That's fine. No, that's good enough. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I know, like, what they did were to have every segment have direction and build something and, like, reason for being there. Like, I know that's the basics for a show. But after the last month, this really is something noteworthy and worthy of praise <laughs> for more. It's like, 
yeah, for most of the shows, completely different bar. I've said it before when I reviewed NXT with AEW. When I'm praising or crit- and critiquing them, the bar is so much higher that the kind of level of critique is like it goes with that. But from like Raw, the bar is so incredibly low <laughs> that for a week like this, for the segments just to have direction and building to something, that's a positive. That, that's the level we're working at. But that's a positive for this show. So well, it feels it feels patronising, but yeah, well done, well done. Your show had like the at bare minimum. Every segment had a reason for being on the show, other than filling time. There's still other problems, like uh, ma- matches happening secondary to the plot point being the main thing for it existing. And yes, that is like especially for like AW, for example. They will still do that, but the matches feel like they've got weight to them. Because again, with wins and losses mattering, the wrestling match matters compared to Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke walking off because it's just as good as a win. No. (laughs) That means immediately I'm just like, well, what's the point in the wrestling bit? And it just screams it. Maybe that's damaged me watching Raw. Is that one thing maybe question so much and start to see that a thing was happening to then lead to the plot point rather than the competition and then a plot point happens. So, oh no, everybody's out here for the plot point to happen. Compared to, again, and compared to AW because they did that winter losses matter thing, the competition does matter. You will get a clean finish and then the people will come out and it is still all a setup to get the people there. But because the competition matters, there's just a lot more to it. It's a lot more grounded rather than quite often in WWE. And I feel like this week... It didn't happen too much. So that's my praise. It happened a little bit, but nowhere near as bad as the last few weeks. So again, praise. But again, it's those segments to get everybody out there to do the thing. I was worried a couple of times. I would talk about it now with Alexa Bliss. (laughs) But it it never kind of went through to levels it did before. We didn't get competitors walking out as commentators but putting it over as it's just as good as a win. We didn't get that. What we did get was still interruption and everyone stopping their match to focus on something else entirely. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that now. The six-woman tag kicked off the show. Major positive, kicking off more with wrestling. Also, personally, sexy muscle friends together at last. <laughs> That's a team that Asuka absolutely makes and her going, yeah, sexy muscle friends. <laughs> it's just the my skinny arms that's even uh, like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, really makes me laugh. Uh, and therefore, I, I'm entertained by them purely because of the way that Asuka integrates with Rose and Dana Brooke. There's <laughs> something about her. Uh, she really brings the team together. And honestly, just in terms of the flow of the show, I much prefer a match like this being at the start rather than before the main event or like far into the like or in the final hour. Like last week's women's tag felt like a quick novelty waste of time. Like I may still find the division woefully written. But this six-woman opener, for me, didn't feel like that. There is still what the finish actually was, <laughs> and the whole exhibition thing, and how the segment ended. But all of those things are positives. So, you know, aside from Alexa Bliss full-on stopping the match to let us know she's got her eye on someone, who was it? Well, it's Baszler's knee, <laughs> as she... As Lily, you, I'm assuming, used super spooky powers to get cramp in Baszler's knee <laughs> I guess just crippling on its own accord as it does when you've got cramp uh, Asuka then hitting the Shining Wizard for the win 
Alright. Charlotte then, with the attack for her music to play to end the segment, as then Bliss is laughing at Charlotte. It's like, hmm, and the camera is all focused on Flair, even though it was Baszler that was targeted. With, well, immediately I'm just like, well, that spoils the Flair was the target all along twist of intrigue <laughs> around the corner. It's like, maybe if you're targeting Baszler, maybe just for this initial week, Flair can be there. Flair can be the one taking the loss. Don't have to focus on Flair <laughs> unless you are like rattling forward into Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte Flair. Because for me, you've just destroyed all intrigue. Uh, and assumably the only people who didn't pick up on it, I guess, in that way. Because there are a lot of people who can't read film language. I've discovered that from... <laughs> it, it blows my mind when it happens, just because... I'm, I, I just see it as a thing. Like, the, the camera, the way things are done, they tell you a story. And I just assumed most people picked up on that. <laughs> and then sometimes I watch something... Uh, with somebody who did, didn't get it at all, I'm just like, they did tell you. Oh, okay, that's why there is that like crappy dialogue <laughs> for those people. Like, oh, yeah, I've got friends. Won't call him out. Because <laughs> they think oh, I didn't follow that film. I was like, what do you mean you didn't follow it? It told you. <laughs> I was like, oh, because like, oh, he, he just can't be filming like it. It's really weird. It's so weird when he, I come across people who can't do it. <laughs> it's really strange. But here, film language. Not complicated film language, they just focused on Flair. It was her music that played. The focus is on Flair, and then Alexa Bliss starts laughing. It's all on Flair. Yes, they cut to Nijax and Baszler to the side, but it's all on Flair. Telling you she's targeting Flair. It's just flat out telling you. There is no mystery anymore. <laughs> if you focus on Baszler, but you have Flair in the shots, that's how I would have personally done it. You are keeping Flair in the shots, but Baszler is the one that's crippled and maybe even do Bliss versus Baszler first, but you go to Charlotte versus Bliss eventually. Because I feel like they're going to build the intrigue and they're going to try and do that twist that she was going after Flair all along. So, but you've immediately focused on her. <laughs> but, I mean, could, I could be wrong. They could immediately be going for Flair. Or Flair thinks that everything is about her, therefore she assumes that Bliss is going for Flair and Flair's the MacGuffin. But uh, uh, WWE storytelling, is, it's not really that deep. And I used to be somebody who loved Bray, the Bray White Fiend promos like in the first era, in that first year where, where, they, where people started to change after they faced him, when his promos seemed to then follow through a bit in the beginning. Then I very quickly realised there was nothing behind them and it reached an absolute peak with the Randy Orton stuff, where again, coming out afterwards, that those involved every single week were like, where's this going? Where's this going? And ne they were never told and never knew where it was going because it was being made up for every single week. It's like, oh, now it's just like there's nothing behind them. So then we come to the Alexa Bliss stuff, and the minute, like, yeah, these promos, yeah, they could be going somewhere, but for the in recent past, they haven't. There has been, like, they never knew where they were going. So why would I care about any of the words she says when for months and months that we've had these promos, and they were never going anywhere, <laughs> making them as they go along. Uh, yeah, why would I ever care about the words then? They, for me, the, for, with the Alexa Bliss stuff, the words she's given, they now have to follow through with those words. Uh, they have to. <laughs> for, that's how you build that bridge. Or you have her delivering the words, and you know where it's going. <laughs> there is nothing more complicated than that. Ah, uh, we'll see. We'll see, won't we? Uh, that's my hope. That's my hope. 
But I've given suggestions, even if they haven't. Flair can be your MacGuffin, or you focus on Basel a bit more, but you've ruined it already, so I don't really see much option other than going for Flair immediately, purely because of how much it focused on Flair afterwards. So either she's the MacGuffin, as in the thing of false focus, or she was the focus for a reason. And if you then go twist it and try and do a bit of intrigue of, oh, but she targeted Baszler. Yeah, but you've already told us <laughs> with other language <laughs> that it's not <laughs> Baszler. Ah, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, oh, production moan time. I've already done a production moan, but this is a this is a more proper one. <laughs> so we've got a backstage segment with MVP going into Braun Strowman's locker room to try and persuade him to like, be on their side, to turn it into more of a handicap match at WrestleMania Backlash. But the production of that's a perfectly fine segment. Nothing wrong with that. The actual content of it, fine. Perfectly fine. Like, MVP is there trying to sway Strowman to the correct side ahead of this Sunday. Perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with that. However, the production of it, the backstage stuff with WWE, it feels so amateur at times. It's like, I don't get it. They, because they prime themselves on being storytellers and they watch stuff like this. It's like, you don't know how to film or tell stories. Like, it's your worst aspect. And, like, the production-wise, it's amazing. Like, the in-ring stuff is top quality, aside from the camera cuts being just way too often. That I felt it in the eight-man tag, just from the entrances. Like, Elias making a slow walk cut. And then they, the people in the ring did a bit of a dance and then cut back. It's like, no, no. You had the slow thing happening. That's perfectly fine. Just focus on for a few more seconds. <laughs> it's just little things like that out of the ring. They are way too quick to cut. Because the shots are... F- like, they look great. <laughs> they look fine. It's just cut a bit too much. Yeah, a bit too heavy on it. It's just... It's literally just that. It's just the camera cuts. They slow down. <laughs> uh, I feel like other wrestling shows are showing... I think that's why I like New Japan as much as they do. Because they're way slower. They let you soak in what's happening rather than establishing and immediately cutting because they've established there's no need to sell it. No, no, we can soak it in. Look at the face Elias is pulling. <laughs> Stuff like that. Anyway, so production of this one, I've completely tangented to a different segment. <laughs> so MVP was knocking on the locker room door with a camera behind him as we look over his shoulder. We then cut to Strowman inside saying he can come in. So he already had his own film crew? Because you established a camera behind MVP, then immediately cut to a different camera. So what happens to that? <laughs> immediately, it's the it's like one of the things I agree with the uh, big old tone cards the most. <laughs> it's the invisible camera thing, because you like it's just so inconsistent in its establishing. Like, so why establish a handheld camera over MVP's shoulder when you're going to cut to inside the locker room anyway? Like. That's nonsense. <laughs> you do that establishing shot, that's because you're going to follow MVP in. Then you can like move the camera so it transitions essentially to an in-locker room shot. But to do the outside, and if it is a simple thing, like you had the light set up or the room is just a little bit awkward because it's a Thunderdome era, it's just a little bit awkward to actually follow him in. Well, then you start at Braun Strowman's side and then MVP comes in. Yes, it's essentially, it's just, that's how they do the raw general manager stuff. Is there in the room already talking. Somebody walks in. But if you're going to do the over-the-shoulder thing <laughs> with MVP, don't then cut to the inside. Because then essentially you've got two wrestlers with their own camera crews. <laughs> or the other scenario 
is the entire thing is a put-up job. <laughs> like reality TV, where the entire that like you got the crew already in there. But even then, they they film it like they're following them. They won't just show an establishing shot and then cut. No, no. Even then, <laughs> even with car crash TV, even then, <laughs> they won't do an, in a scene. They won't do an establishing over the camera shot. Then completely drop that perspective because you've got your main shot for the room. So, oh, it's grindingly irritating. <laughs> oh, just, again, I'm assuming, whenever I go on these rants, I assume most people don't get as angry at that stuff as I do. <laughs> but for me, it, just, it screams basic filming stuff, as in follow through with it. If you're going to go with over the shoulder for MVP, you can't then drop it as soon as it's in the locker room. Is a, a, My prime example would be the inner circle getting their locker room raided. Or vice versa, because they themselves did the raiding later. You had whoever it was knocking on the door. Then they walked into the room with that camera. And then they did the whole thing in there. Even had the people addressing the... As in, this is... this Literally, that is how you do this scene. <laughs> that, that just happened. <laughs> you don't. For example, you watch that same scene. Yeah, same thing. I want to say it was MJF lock it, knocking on the inner circle locker room door to give an apology. And then the MJF just even addressed the camera. I don't think it just did I actually call him MJF. <laughs> uh, yeah, then had MJF addressing the camera. No, I want you to stay and film this. You don't have MJF knocking on the door. Then he walks in. And then you don't have a knock on the door. Then immediately cuts to an, a camera looking at all the inner circle guys standing there. <laughs> you don't do that. Like, no, because then it makes the entire thing feel like a put-up production-y thing, as in they are waiting for that person to come in, because there's an entire film crew that immediately gets cut to waiting. Uh, it's the invisible camera thing. Is it there or not? And having it handheld over MVP's shoulder, as he's seemingly deliberately showing, knocking on the door so we can see who he's knocking on the door of, that makes it feel like the camera's there. But in the room, it's, it's suddenly not. Suddenly it's not there for his conversation with Paul Strowman. Within one scene there's inconsistency. Uh, just things like that. Just, yeah. It's like, that's not difficult stuff. <laughs> it's not difficult stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm far from an expert in any of this stuff. But even I know. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And yes, I brought in AEW as a kind of positive on it. But that's because they're doing it better <laughs> they don't they they have shown wwe how to correct correct their mistakes and for me that just those two scenes in comparison like AEW have already produced what was on board this week way better multiple times it's just yeah you establish a camp yeah, <laughs> that's enough of the rant enough of the rant uh, even nxt does it better <laughs> it's, it's irritating uh, when, they, when they go into William Regal's office, they don't then have a different camera already set up in his office. That, no, it's the same one travelling in. Uh, <laughs> I find it crazy. Anyway, Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal. Flipping Hall. <laughs> Jinder Mahal. Oh. He's back with friends. Uh, Via and Shanky, I think they called them. Formula, formerly, I did recognise them. They were formerly Malcolm Bivens big boys in NXT for like a cup of tea. Honestly, them being cast as Mahal's muscle is so much better a use for them. Immediately, they just fit in really well. Uh, poor Jeffrey returning to the play as bold Jinder's victim. But, like, yeah. like Honestly, 
my only major negative from this was that it would have been a nice surprise that this match was taking place had they not flashed the graphic for it during the opener. <laughs> like, why? Because then he cut to Jinder and Gorilla's like, hey, but he didn't know that I was back, and now I've got friends. But they showed the flash of graphic for the upcoming match during the opening <laughs> contest. <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah, but there's no surprise. He advertised it in the previous match. Of course I'm not surprised here. Uh, and these two had a previous match on main event, and yeah, in the inconsistency of was this Jinder Mahal's return match or not. For me, it was his return match. It was played as his return match. If I didn't, like, I think, I, I can't remember if they picked up on it on main event, oh, sorry, on the commentary, but they online people did. So it's like, oh, he's lost, uh, Jeff, Jeff Hardy lost to Mahal two weeks in a row. His main event canon? I don't believe it is, like, sometimes things on previous Raws aren't canon. <laughs> I don't think anything on main event is. Uh, anyway, I applauded Raw for featuring different folk last week so, week, so the same here again with Mahal making quick work of Hardy. Like, is this the return of Don't Hinder the Jinder? Uh, like, honestly, I know some are down on Mahal, maybe facing McIntyre. If it's, uh, again, if, Ma if McIntyre is kind of leading, kind of, kind of getting us ready for him not facing for the title next and he faces Mahal, yeah, I feel like that could be... A decent road to go down. Yeah, that's a decent story to tell. It's a story they were going to tell last year before Jinder got injured. And now is just as good a time to tell it. You just need to build up Jinder Mahal for a bit. So maybe McIntyre faces Lashley for an extra pay-per-view as you continue to build Mahal. Rather than next week we're immediately into it because the pay-per-views happened. Just kickstart to this new story. I mean, there's enough behind it for it to work. It should still be fine. But for like if you've built Jinder up a bit at least then there's going to be a lot more to it when they do actually clash. Like, we want to see it. Or or in theory, we want to see it as an audience. So just hold it off a bit. Continue to build them both before you make them clash, maybe. Because if Bakatai is not facing Lashley, I don't know what he does. <laughs> no pay-per-view. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, If he's not facing him, he's not facing Jinder, I don't know what he does. Uh, we'll see. We can just throw him together with somebody. Bray Wyatt has been missing since the day after WrestleMania. Uh, who knows what the plan is for him if there is one at all. Rawr. Anyway, RK-Bro and New Day. A really fun match here. So RK-Bro and New Day taking on AJ Styles and Omos, the Raw Tag Team Champions, and Elias and Jackson Viker. This is feuds colliding in some form. A uh, Beforehand, we had a nice little backstage bit with New Day, Riddle and Orton, like, pretty much tying together their reasoning for tonight's eight-man, uh, squishing together two matches from last week. Like, hey, I moaned about the match on Twitter, so I appreciated this. Uh, uh, just a little thing. Because my immediate reaction was, after weeks of Raw's middle of the card just being very meh and just feeling a bit repetitive, I saw this match announced. I'm like, cool, you've squished two matches from last week together. So even though it's technically something different, you're putting two things that are the same again together. <laughs> uh, that said, this match was so frantic and so fun. It's like, oh, yeah. I should have been focusing on the wrestlers involved rather than the what I perceived at the time to be lazy booking. Because the match itself was really, really fun and advanced something else <laughs> entirely. Maybe set up a completely different match that I was expecting. Good stuff. So RK-Bro were like the main focus of this coming out. Showing us the NXT heights the Broserweights could have reached were it not for the pandemic. The hyper child paired with the serious adult... Uh, it's a pairing I've enjoyed so much as of late. No different again this week. 
Uh, I will say my immediate reaction to this match again, it, it wasn't great when I saw it hyped up. It was that weeks of mid-card going into this. It's like, oh, you just put two matches from last week together. Why would I be hyped about seeing the same guys interacting again? But it was in a, such a different, like, much more hyperactive manner with the just energy and pace all over the place that this was in the perfect spot on the card. Third match in, and it's just pure energy. Just pure entertainment, so much fun. That, again, like, I should have read more into the wrestlers involved because, again, this was so much fun. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Uh, multi-man frantic madness. Uh, Kofi flies, AJ bumps, and Ra Randy arcane nopes into nowhere. Uh, the man running at the sight of Omos and his big scary champion frame. Yes, arcane noping <laughs> into nowhere, running away. Uh, our goodies energy wins out over the baddies cheekiness. Uh, Elias in the ring, all on his lonesome to eat an RKO for the win. Orton piecing out until tagging in for the final win. Smart man knows to just completely avoid Omos. But yeah, I really enjoyed that match. It was really, really fun. Uh, but after the match, Randy was kind of like, they got the win and the New Day like, yeah, celebrate with them. And he like, Randy Orton was fine to celebrate with Riddle, like raised their arms. Like, yeah, and then when New Day tried to join in, uh, not so much. RKO's to both Wood and Kingston as Riddle's just exclaiming, like, how can we make friends if you keep doing stuff like this? <laughs> just like, yeah. I, th I thought that was a much better final note because the worry is there and then this is the turn for more only RKO's Riddle. Mm. This is showing that Riddle is, so that Vandy is a lot more accepting of Riddle and he's kind of like, Riddle's wearing, wearing off on him. Like, yeah, they're becoming, Vandy's becoming to kind of appreciate Matt Riddle a little bit. Uh, but not the others. <laughs> he's still, at heart, he's still a dastardly heel even though he's, yeah, Riddle's kind of turning to his liking a bit. But, yeah, I feel like this is the kind of making RKO like a much nicer guy slowly. But he's got a lot of work to do. He's got a lot of work to do. He's not a perfect guy. He's not a perfect guy. Riddle's got a lot of work to do to make him a bro. <laughs> he's not a bro yet. He's still RKOing about. Uh, and for me, this sets up a really interesting match of the RK bro versus New Day. Because I would much prefer to see that next week rather than um, them trying to get on again or something like that. Just, no, I'd be really up <laughs> just for New Day versus RK Bro. I don't know if anything is booked for WrestleMania Backlash. I don't think there is. But yeah, RK Bro versus New Day. Book that for next week's Raw. Like, Woods and Kingston, even though Riddle's pleading with them, like, I oh, know, you know, he, does, he doesn't mean it. He's just a misunderstood guy. <laughs> Something like that. But then, uh, Javon Woods and Kingston be like, no. No, we, we're going to uh, ask a match from this. So yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah, after that was Sheamus versus Umberto Carrillo, the next thing to move on to. Uh, I just want to say, before I probably get into it, RK Bro, really enjoying it as of late, and this week was no different. Yet another instalment in their food, and if it if reports are that it is going to slow burn, this felt, everything they've done so far has felt like it has direction and purpose. So, round of applause. <laughs> round of applause. Uh, anyway, Sheamus versus Umberto Carrillo. Unfortunately, cut off early due to an injury to Carrillo, uh, going to Sunset Flip, Sheamus off the apron. Humberto flew over the top only for the Irishman to land on his knee. Like Humberto himself uh, landed a little bit awkwardly. Then a big heavy Irishman landed on it afterwards. Just like, oh, written all over his face that he immediately knew. He was like, no, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, referee just calling off the match eventually. And it's, yeah, like, in terms of the match itself, like, it's a shame because it was 
For me, it was building on Sheamus, calling his opponent out to meet his comeuppance, and assumedly then going to some kind of final sequence, having Kaveo himself into like a title opportunity, just proving himself, only for life to throw a curveball in the form of an injury uh, that ends up telling the exact opposite story. Uh, word coming out is that Kaveo would be fine, to, for example, to wrestle like the next day type of thing. As in, at the time, it thought it could be bad, but it's... It's actually fine. It should be good for more. I don't think they've got anything planned for backlash. Maybe they'll hold off backlash just in case. Or if he, or if he is as fine as the uh, reports are saying, then they could go at backlash. But that's that. Like, good, lucky he's not more hurt, <laughs> given that he landed a little bit awkwardly, which was then just emphasised by a big, heavy Irishman soon following. It's like, oh, oof, close. Lucky, lucky Carrillo. Seemingly. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we then got a run of like promo packages and things. So first up with the Lucha House Party, as the Latino stars get to be a bit more featured, which surely has no coincidence with <laughs> certain comments about them not using their Latino stars, and then all of a sudden all of their Latino stars are featured. Yeah, but yes, we're getting Carrillo, Angel, Carrillo and Angel Garza both returning, and now Lucha House Party get a character promo package. So hmm, this is interesting. If, like, for example, Carrillo, he had come back, he was facing Sheamus. Like, that is a feud that was kind of already happening. And it's like, yeah, him coming back is understandable and fine. And Lucha House Party now and then getting a match. Like, that happens as well. But for also, and but for Carrillo to get more featured, for Gaza to pop up, and suddenly Lucha House Party to get character all at the same time. It's like, hmm, there's suddenly a focus on Latino stars. I wonder what could have made them suddenly want to focus on Latino stars. <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, it does mean like we're winning at the end of the day because we're getting to see all these great athletes uh, finally be featured and Raw itself gets more variety. Uh, something like this shakes up the show. Just an injection of more characters, even though they were guys they had all along. <laughs> anyway, uh, Lucha House Party, VTR, Play Play. After years on the main roster, the team finally gets a piece of character introduction. Like, hey, I like this sort of thing. It's just a tad interesting watching that introduction happen so incredibly long after they've been on TV. <laughs> like you're doing a character introduction how many years in? Like, uh, Chris Ray Classic was five years ago. They were on Raw four years ago. They've been dilly-dallying about ever since. 205 Live pretty much died a year or two ago. And they've been on Raw and SmackDown around about then. Now they get their say. <laughs> now they get their character thing. I'll say properly main roster stuff. I don't know, three years. And finally, <laughs> they get their shot. It's a weird one. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, after that we've got Eva Marie's uh, VT car play play. Uh, as it was the same one from last week. Uh, there was a new one later in the show. Calling herself... Which a super role model whilst taking a photo shoot. For me, that is a great baddie line. I love that line. And the reports coming out of Fightful are that um, Eva Marie might be in a manager role coming out of this. And all of this hyping up is for like for her to take somebody's career into the spotlight. To really elevate them. Um, yeah, because yeah, for me, Eva Marie is a fantastic character to play off of, and just purely because the role she was playing where she was doing all these shenanigans and things because she is not a good wrestler. And you can really play off that. She is amazing at playing that character. 
it works so incredibly well. Like, yes, the whole issue is not a great wrestler, but that ability to play off of that and really make the character work. She was she was amazing at the character stuff. So that it kind of balances it out a bit for me personally. I enjoyed the character stuff so much that it didn't have to be the most technical wrestler because I was enjoying your segments on TV. And to be fair, in NXT, did an amazing job of me not wanting her to win. <laughs> there was so much fear that she might have won the championship. But they convinced me. They did a good job. And they could do the same here. That's if she's in the ring. As a manager, we'll see. We'll see. It's um, Vince has been wanting that that glamour model character, that supermodel character. <laughs> They've been wanting it for so long. And maybe they finally have it in Eva Marie. Finally. Ah, finally. One more sip. Ooh. Goes down more. Cedric Alexander versus Shelton Benjamin was up next. Great to see these lads. With a tad of direction after the split from the Hurt Business left them with nothing. As Cedric, the shouty baddie as uh, Shelton plays up the veteran, deserving of the respect our heel ain't giving. And this match had some really great flashes in between Cedric's shoutiness. He was dominating for most of it, but uh, the latter of which caused his downfall. Focusing on everyone but Benjamin in utter disrespect, Cedric ran the whole match, but Shelton caught him with a T-Bone suplex with a pin for a sudden win. Yeah, like solid stuff that seemed to have direction. For me, this is solid mid-card Teddy stuff because it feels like it's got direction. It feels like it's building characters up and going somewhere with something. Uh, yeah, it's, it will be a massive shame if there's no mention of it next week. <laughs> and then I'll be like, okay, we're back into that. Why would I care? But so far, so good. Thumbs up. Um, yeah, next one, I don't know whether to actually say so far so good. <laughs> we'll see. Gaza in a photo shoot and then Gulak goes up in his face about last week's like embarrassment with uh, Gaza kicking a rose up his bum <laughs> and uh, pushing him. Gaza responds, if there's a next time, maybe I'll shove this beautiful rose down your throat. <laughs> and immediately, my immediate reaction, it's just like, this might be the most unknowingly homoerotic story <laughs> WWE have ever run. Just that phrase, maybe I'll shove this beautiful rose down your throat. That felt way more central. <laughs> they mean it as a, oh, he's yes, he does the photo shoot stuff, but when it comes to fighting in the ring or competing in the ring, oh, he's as serious as everybody. He'll follow through with what he's saying. But also, I'm going to kick this rose up your bum. <laughs> gonna shove this rose down your throat is this is everything about especially when just beforehand he's, he's showing off his abs and he's all oiled up in a photo shoot <laughs> then he says it in his sensual Gaza way even though he's doing it slightly more threatening it's like yeah this probably is the most unknowingly homosexual story <laughs> that we have told in a while and it, yeah this is for me the reason I find it funny is because it's the unknowing part. It's the unknowingly erotic <laughs> bit. <laughs> That's making me laugh. It's like, they've got, like, they've got no idea. <laughs> it's coming across. Uh, anyway, Asuka versus Ray Ripley was up next. Uh, how do we feature Ripley this week? Hey, why not just do what the other triple threat is doing and have the champion face one of the people she's wrestling on Sunday? Personally, the last thing I want to see the show before the pay-per-view is two-thirds of the match wrestling each other. 
So they did it with both of their matches on this show. Because immediately, you don't want either one to lose. <laughs> so why have the match? Like, you can have Ripley face somebody else. You got Asuka and the Sixth Woman. You don't have to have her be the one for Ripley to face. That said, at least for the women's version, there's the Charlotte reasoning behind it. Like, it's not just because they want to, like in the men's one. This one here was somebody messing with her fellow competitors in Charlotte Flair. The DeVille setup with Flair's helping. Like, her two opponents for this Sunday wearing each other down. There is that. Uh, the Queen herself making her way down to commentary to make sure we're fully aware of that fact. It's like, yeah. Uh, they'd already visually told us this. But hey, gotta talk down to your audience. <laughs> make sure that everybody follows. Uh, that does mean both women's matches had a last not-in-the-match walkout in a semi-distraction. But, yeah, for me that screams booking agents not in tangent, because personally, this was my preferred of the two. Like, even if this means, yes, weirdly enough, I preferred Charlotte Flair messing with the competitors over than spookily taking over a knee. <laughs> you know, spookily giving cramp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, even if, this also means we've seen Ripley versus Asuka maybe a few too many times between WrestleMania and WrestleMania Backlash. This isn't the first. Uh, yeah, a uh, a nice hot finish after Charlotte attempted distraction only for Asuka to fly off of the announce desk with an awesome hip attack. A flash back and forth with Ripley. The one nailing the disorientating kick and following up with the riptide. Uh, I hate to be positive, but I enjoyed this as well. <laughs> There's, there, I gave all the negatives. Just like the reasoning for the match, the amount of times we have seen these two wrestle when we're meant to be wanting to see them wrestle again on Sunday. But they they are good together. <laughs> I did enjoy the match. We can see that chemistry building. And yeah, I enjoyed this match. And Charlotte Flair has that dynamic at ringside works. Like, as a thing, on its own, it was purely enjoyable. If you don't take out outside context of our critiques to have, but just as a segment, and on the telly, telly show, I did enjoy it. Uh, another thing for this show as well, because I keep track of how many in-ring segments there are, Matches seem to get a lot more time because there was there were less in-ring segments than there have been on previous weeks. Maybe that's cutting down on the microphone stuff in the ring, but there were a lot less than normal. So, and for me, the shows flow a lot better when that is the case. Maybe it's because I'm English, and that gives me a little bit. If there's a bit of headlock going on, <laughs> I'll just skip past that. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I don't watch it live. I'm not crazy. Oh, what is this? Uh, Blood and guts? No, I watched that live. Yeah, that, that felt like a, that felt like a moment. I felt I, I enjoyed staying up for that. Uh, anyway, winner decides stipulation for WrestleMania Backlash match. It's John Morrison versus, versus Damien Priest with Miz at ringside for the second week in a row. Not a fan of rematches from the previous week taking place again, but this time it's got stakes. Don't, did you really care? This time it's got stakes though. Well, what, what was last week then? <laughs> what was last week? Uh, really, just just hammers home for me. Whatever happens this Sunday, Damien Priest needs to move the F on. Uh, Johnny Drip Drip is, again, was just as great at helping Priest look amazing as he was last week. Like, flip-flopping around like a boss as Miz works distraction around ringside. Um, yeah, it's just... They already did it. Like, Priest and Bad Bunny beat the Miz and John Morrison at WrestleMania. Why does Damien Priest can still have to prove? Is it because Bad Bunny sold the spotlight, so Priest has to prove he can beat them by himself. Well, every single week since WrestleMania, <laughs> aside from the week the Miz won with his pants 
down or trousers down. I am English. <laughs> the Miz won with his trousers down. Aside from that one week, like Damien Priest has won every time. <laughs> so, like, well, where's the... Is the intrigue that the Miz and John Morrison are going to win? I don't... Like, where's the intrigue in this? The face has won countless times on <laughs> the belt doing this. Uh, why do I care? And he's also won already on pay-per-view against them. Like, what is he actually proving? Uh, whatever happens this Sunday, they need to move on. Um, the match itself was a much longer back and forth this week, like with heel cheeky times rearing their head way more often, with much more frequent, much higher frequency. Uh, in the end, it was Miz accidentally costing the match again, though. The building to something there, going to the distraction well one too many times, keeping the ref distracted a tad too long so Morrison's pin wasn't countered early enough. A priest then nailing the hit the lights for the win. Uh, what is the stipulation? Ooh, it's a sweaty Damien Priest telling Adam Pearce after the break that he wants a lumberjack match because Miz keeps running, running away. When has Miz done that? <laughs> was it the only time I can think of? Was when he had his again when he had that one week when Miz had his trousers down and scored a roll up and then he and Maurice like were on the ramp going up, but they had the match. He didn't run away from the match. They hit this. For this for that line to work for me, the Miz has to run away from Priest in some manner. <laughs> for David Priest to go, the Miz keeps running away. I want to make sure that he can't do it. I'm going to have a lumberjack match. It's immediately in my head. I'm like, when has he tried to run away? I guess he scored a quick roll-up and then was on the ramp with his wife as they looked down at Priest, but that's not running away. And he's cost the match. Uh, I guess here tonight... He cost the match for John Morrison, then was at the top of the ramp. Guess, I guess. <laughs> if that's the uh, closest we're going to get to it, I guess that's it. Yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, overall, for me, that's a, I'll call it that. I'll call that a higher bar of criticism than I have been given for the past few weeks. I'm actually critiquing a thing that has happened rather than still stuck on the main core thing itself. Again, Morrison and Priest are great together. And I hope to God WrestleMania Backlash is the end of Priest versus Miz. You've used Miz to elevate Priest. Now it's time for Priest to move on to something else. Like he will, He's in real danger of getting sucked into that mid-card vortex. Just oh, Next to will be facing Baron Corbin. <laughs> Just, yes, I know he's on SmackDown, but that's the vortex. That's how it works. <laughs> you get stuck in there facing. Stuck with nothing going nowhere. It's the women's tag team belts. Just a revolving nothing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, this was still the best Raw since WrestleMania. There were three weeks of absolutely awful, seemingly getting worse. Then last week was at finally an improvement. Finally, it stopped going downhill. And then this was the most competent show. There were no segments wasting my time. They actually had purpose. They were building to the pay-per-view. They had reason for being on the show. Even if they weren't building to the pay-per-view, they were still building to something. They were still full of character or going somewhere. Like the right slap-bang in the middle where you're getting Alexander versus Benjamin. You're getting Garza Gulak homoerotic promos. <laughs> like, yeah, everything had its purpose. So, round of applause for that. This was the strongest show. Still below... Everything else. <laughs> it's below SmackDown by far. It's still below a, a normal SmackDown, below NXT, below Dynamite. Like, it's still the worst show on TV. I reckon this will still be the worst wrestling show of the week. But it's a lot better. <laughs> it's, the bar is nowhere near as low as it has been. Uh, yeah, I think a massive part of it is three hours. Like, it is really difficult. 
and for the worst show to be that long, it's just even more graining. <laughs> like, if a show of a quality of SmackDown is three hours, yes, it'd be a still a hefty task to take on, but the quality kind of, like, oh, maybe it's worth it. You get an extra hour because it's doing such a good job. Raw's doing a t- terrible job. <laughs> it's so, so often so difficult to get through. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this was the best Raw, though, so... It's a positive, it's weirdly positive review. I'm going into Backlash. I'm not going into Backlash particularly caring about Backlash from this show. But as a show, as a whole, it, it definitely functioned. <laughs> I wasn't just sat there going, what's the point in this existing? I didn't get that for any of the segments. Uh, so, yeah. And, but a lot of it hinges on it existing past two or three weeks. Cause that's the cutoff. That's the thing that normally makes me not care about anything. Especially as we're going into the summer. Like, when a feud or something starts, if it's dead after two or three weeks, then why would I care about getting invested in anything in the first two or three weeks? <laughs> I'm just waiting for it to die. That was an issue, especially in 2019. Not as bad last year as they were forced to focus on their characters in the seemingly old lifetime ago <laughs> world of the development centre in the early pandemic. But, like, now in the Thunderdome era, I feel like you can flesh it out a bit more. Just, yeah, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Anyway, as a strangely positive review of Monday Night Raw, I'm still, so it's positive, but I'm still not, like, it's it's not a one-star show. It's maybe two or three. Maybe, but that's just purely because <laughs> it was a competent show where every segment had a point of being there and there were ones I genuinely enjoyed and I enjoyed a lot of the matches. So, yeah, so there's that. Anyway, what do you think about the main event of WrestleMania Backlash? Do you agree with me that Bobby Lashley winning has just been written on the wall for since day one? Or do you, have they convinced you that someone else might actually win and uh, take the feud in a completely different direction? Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, at the damn Implicat. Uh, you can follow me on Twitch as well, at the Implications with two S's. I'm live most days of the week, and sometimes Sundays as well. Uh, that's on GM uh, British time, though. So I'm normally live at like 5pm British time, like lunchtime in America. Uh, around then and I will be live tomorrow with the NXT reviews I slowly go to sleep realising time I need to get these things done now the reason I'm live live at 6 instead of my normal 7 is purely because of trying to finish before the other shows start that's because if I start at my normal time I'm going to run into Dynamite on a a Wednesday that's not happening anyway end of the show I'll be back tomorrow with the NXT review what did you make of Monday Night Raw of Alexa Bliss of all the different stuff going into WrestleMania Backlash. Let me know in the comments below. And also thank you for uh, all the five-star reviewing, thumbs-upping, whatever. It's engaging any form in any manner. Um, massively, massive thank yous to actually have engagement. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. Uh, anyway, with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.